Welcome to Souls Harbor's weekly podcast. We believe that God has called us to lead people into a relationship with Jesus Christ, help them grow to be like Jesus, and involve them in reaching lost people. Listen now to this week's message. Hey, if you've got your Bibles this morning, turn with me to the book of Romans, chapter 8. I will tell you now, I don't have all the scripture on the screen like I typically do, so if you've got a Bible or a Bible app, this would be a great week to pull it out. Um, I'm just, uh, today I'm going to do more teaching, I think, than preaching. I think I said that first service. I don't know if it really worked out that way or not, but uh, I really sat down earlier in the week, and I, God, what do you want me to share this week? What does the congregation need to hear? And I felt like I was being directed to Romans 8.1, and I went through the process I do every week of, uh, okay, I'm going to put together the sermon and build the sermon, and and it really, it just didn't happen. It didn't come together. And so I finally ended up, okay, we're just going to work through Romans 8, 1 through about verse 10, if we get that far, verse by verse this week. And I want to share with you some of the things this week as I've studied and meditated on Romans 8 um, that that God's shared with me. And uh, we're just going to dive in this morning. Romans 8, 1, it opens like this. There is therefore now no condemnation. And I'm actually going to stop right there for a moment. There is therefore now no condemnation. Think about that word with me for a moment, condemnation. Just just listen to it, condemnation. I mean, just the very word, condemnation. It just has a sinister sound to it, doesn't it? it? It it doesn't bring a smile to my face, condemnation. You know, most of the time when we hear that word in our context, our culture, it's somebody looking at us saying, hey, don't you condemn me, Who are, and usually the idea behind that is hypocrisy, what a hypocrite, you're condemning me and you're doing, don't, you don't have any right to judge me, but we need to understand this morning as we dive into this message, into this sermon, that when it comes to God and it comes to the idea of condemnation, God is not like we are, when God brings condemnation, it's a just thing, it's a deserved thing. When God brings condemnation, it's not a hypocritical thing, but it's a somebody has done something that is evil, that is sin, that deserves a sentence, deserves judgment, and we miss that sometimes. God's condemnation, like God's justice, is righteous. Maybe another way to think about this idea of condemnation is this, because we don't use really use the word often other than to tell people to quit being hypocrites. Um, if I could take you to Terre Haute, Right now, and the, the prison over there, and we could, we, if we could get in, we could go and we could, we could walk down to the area where there are men and, and women sitting on probably death row, and they've been condemned. And, and that's more what Paul's saying here, because by condemned for them, what we think of, and what that means is they have committed some crime, they have done, done something that was illegal, they've committed a crime, they've been tried, they've been found guilty, and they've been sentenced. So when Paul says there is therefore now no condemnation, what he's saying to us is, listen, you were condemned. There was a time in your life where you were condemned. In other words, God has looked at you. He has found sin in you. you. You have committed the crime or the thing of sin. There's been sin in your life, and he has tried you, and he has found you guilty. But there's no therefore now no condemnation. And even though you committed the sin and you were guilty, the sentence has not been applied. Now, maybe you sit here this morning and that's not you, but it is me. I'm so thankful that there's therefore now no condemnation upon my life 
but I'm going to stand here before you this morning and tell you what you already know. It's not because of my goodness or my grace or my ability or my righteousness or my good looks. Right? It's because of the love and the grace of God. Paul says to the church, there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Now listen to me this morning. If what Paul's telling me is accurate, it's really important that I know what it means to be in Christ Jesus. Because if I'm reading this right, folks, if I'm reading this, if I'm getting this, what he's saying that is, is this, that if you, if you can picture a circle here, if you're in Christ Jesus, there's no sentence. There's no condemnation. The bars have been opened. The, the, the cell's been opened. You're free to go. But, but if, I, if I understand that right, if, if it means to be in Jesus, there is no condemnation, then i got to believe that to be out of Jesus, if I'm stepping out of Jesus, if I'm no longer in Jesus, if I'm out of Jesus, then there is condemnation. And then the only thing that I've got to look forward to is that sentence has been applied. And one of these days, just like in Terre Haute, it will be carried out. I don't know about you all, but I want to be in Christ Jesus. And it's really important that I understand what that is. And Paul gives us some direction as we read on through Romans 8.1. He says, there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. For the law of the spirit of life has set you free. And all of a sudden, there's something else I need to understand. What in the world, Paul, are you talking about? The law of the spirit of life. What is this law that you're talking about? This law of the spirit of life that, it, it, that if I have it as a part of who I am, then I am in Christ Jesus and I'm not condemned. Because I need to know that. I want to know that. I don't want to be condemned. He says, for the law of the spirit of life has set you free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. Now, we tend to think sometimes, and, and i got to tell you guys, okay, this is not an ice cream message. This is not a cake and frosting message. This is more the, you ever had a good steak? How many of you like a good steak? If you get a good steak, you need, you, need, you need a few things. You need a good fork, and you really need a good knife. Not because it's tough, but because you got, but you got to cut a good steak. That's kind of this message. You're going to have to work at it a little bit, okay? Um, th this is more of a steak and potatoes message than an ice cream and a frosting message. So, so, so work with me here, okay? Hang, hang with me and hear this. Think, think this through. What is this law of the spirit of life that has set you free in Christ Jesus and this law of sin and death? And I think it, it's really important. I think part of the way we can understand this is to go back to something Paul wrote a little bit earlier in Romans 6.23. How many of you know what Romans 6.23 says? Everybody that was in first service. <laughs> and some of the rest of you as well. You're, you're all going to recognize it here in a moment. It goes like this. Okay, Y'all ready for this? This is, the law of, this is the law of sin and death. The wages of sin is death. You recognize that? The wages of sin is death. That, that's a law. That, another way you can look at it, it's not Mosaic law. It's, it's, it's a principle. God says, here's this principle. If you choose to live your life enveloped by sin, if you choose to live your life consumed by sin, if you choose to live your life intentionally living out sin, the consequences of that is death. That's a law. That's a principle. 
And maybe the principle, if, if, if we want to look at the principle, the principle of, of the law of sin and death, maybe we can find the principle of the spirit of life in that same verse. And we can because the next part of it, you all know, the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. What is Paul telling us? He's telling us that if we are in Christ Jesus, if we've received the gift that God offered us, offers us, the gift of Jesus Christ, then all of a sudden we're no longer condemned. We're free. And I ask you this morning, have you received that gift? Are you in Christ Jesus? Are you free of the condemnation, the judgment, the justice of God? Say, Pastor Barry, I don't know. Maybe the most important thing you ever figure out. Let's read a little further. He goes on verse 3 and he says, For, the, for God has done what the law... Now, now, now when I talk law here, for God, for God has done what the law, weakened by the flesh, could not do. So now let, let, let's talk about that law. For God has done what the law, weakened by the flesh, could not do. So when we talk about law there, think Ten Commandments. How, how many of you know the Ten Commandments? I think first service, I got five of them. And with a little help, I think we made it all the way to seven. Now, that's not to say that your pastor doesn't know the Ten Commandments. I know where to find them, and I certainly know what not to do, how not to live my life, but put them in order. Um, I, didn't, I didn't actually prepare very well to be able to do that. Thou shalt not lie, thou shalt not steal, thou shalt not commit adultery, uh, don't have any idols, don't have any other gods before me. Uh, don't covet, um, don't covet your neighbor's Corvette, don't covet your neighbor's Cadillac, don't covet your neighbor's wife. I, I don't know, that's, it, it, right? I mean, we, we've got a pretty good grasp on the Ten Commandments. So when he says, he says, God has done what the law, weakened by the flesh, could not do. Think, think Ten Commandments, think, think Ten Commandments, but also think the Great Commandment, because do you, you know how I managed to keep the Ten Commandments, even though I can't stand here in front of you right this moment and quote all of them? It's because I remember what Jesus said. He said, the great commandment, the great two commandments are, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind, and your neighbor as yourself. And here's what I know, that if I love the Lord my God with all my heart, my soul, and my mind, and I love my neighbor as myself, and my neighbor is all of you and my wife, and my kids and my family, then I'm not going to break any of the Ten Commandments. You think about that for a second. If I'm loving God with all my heart, soul, and mind, and my neighbor like myself, I'm not going to commit adultery. I'm not going to commit murder. I'm not going to covet. I'm not going to break any of the Ten Commandments. So think, think the, the Great Commandment. Think the Ten Commandments. Um, you, you, could think, you could think James. James has a, a passage in it you all recognize, and it, it goes like this. It goes, um, my paraphrase, it goes, for him that knows to do good, you all recognize this? For them, him that knows to do good and doesn't do it, it is sin. Think, think that. So, so Paul's telling us, he, he says there's no condemnation, and he tells us the reason there's no condemnation is because God has done what the law, weakened by the flesh, could not do. In other words, the law, the Ten Commandments, the law, the great commandment, love your neighbor as yourself and, and the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind, the law of just know to do good and actually do it, 
not one of us can keep it. Now, theoretically, potentially, on paper, it should be possible that if a person would and could keep all of the Ten Commandments and keep all of the Old Testament law, the moral pieces of it, and keep the great commandment and live out James, theoretically, we'd go to heaven. We'd have eternal life, theoretically. The problem is, I don't know that guy. Right? The only person that's ever managed to accomplish that would be Jesus. And the reason is, you, like me, have this thing called the flesh. This thing of temptation. This thing that pulls me and attracts me. Even though I love Jesus and I want to serve Jesus and I want to obey and I want to live righteously, there's still this thing inside of me that wants to constantly pull me back towards that thing of sin. I'm your pastor. I've served the Lord for a lot of years. I sincerely want to obey him. But there are days where my neighbor annoys me. So much that that piece of me that's flesh rises up and I don't treat him the way I want to be treated. Is that anybody else in this room or am I, am I the only one that needs an altar call right now? R right? There is this thing inside of us called the flesh. That's why, that's why Jesus, when he taught his disciples how to pray, he said to them, he said, he said as, the, as the Lord's prayer came to an end in Matthew 6, he said, pray this, pray, Lord, lead me not into temptation and deliver me from evil, because he knew. It's why he told his disciples, he said, listen, the, the, spirit, the spirit desires right things, but the flesh is weak, so pray that the spirit will win. There is this thing inside of me, this flesh man in each and every one of us, and we battle every moment of every day. That's why we can't do it apart from being in Jesus because we need, we need what God did for us and that is Jesus who died on a cross. God has done what the law weakened by the flesh could not do. By sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh and, and for sin or as a sin sacrifice, he condemned in the flesh in order that the righteous requirements of the law might be fulfilled in us. He said, by sending his son in the, in, the, in the likeness of sinful flesh and as a sin sacrifice, he condemned in the flesh sin in the flesh. In other words, so, so, get, so get this, okay? This is important. Get this. Paul starts out by saying, there's no condemnation on you. God's not condemning you if you're in Jesus. However, God is condemning the sin that is in you. He's, I don't, I don't know what your challenge is this morning, but I know every one of you in this room has, has, has them. Because we're all human. i give you this example, and, and it's all different, okay? Food makes a really good metaphor for a lot of things. So I have very little temptation towards broccoli. When God said, do not eat broccoli, it well, okay, not when. If God said, don't eat broccoli, I'd be good with that. I could look at that broccoli and I could say all day long, Lord, you're awesome. I don't even want that. I love you so much. Broccoli's gone. We all, and, and, and most of our lives, most of us here, we've got, we've got things throughout our life that are like broccoli. 
Every one of you have got areas in your life that you look at that and you say, you know what, that, I don't, I, why would I want that? That's, that's just nasty or that's just ugly or that's just, that just smells bad or I just don't want any part of that. We all got things in our life like that that are no temptation for us at all. And here's where we get into trouble. We begin to think that that fact makes us something special and makes us righteous because what happens is we look at that thing in our life and we say, yeah, God, I, 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 don't, I don't want that. And that, I, So thank you for making me special. Thank you for making me so righteous. Thank you for making me so good. And, and I don't want that. And I don't have any desire for that area. I don't. And, and yeah, God, I, I haven't thought about that or desired that for years. Lord, thank you so much for your for your wonderful creation of me. And thank you for making me holy and, and not like those other people. But everyone in this room, now listen to me, every one of you in this room, and, and I put myself right at the front of this line this morning. We have all got that one thing and Probably it's two or three things, but we all got something in our life that we're okay. Pass that away. Get that out of here. I don't have any interest in that. That smells bad. I don't want any part of that. And then we come up on that one thing and we're like, yeah, God, I don't. Maybe. No, Lord, I don't. Yeah, maybe. And all of a sudden, we begin to feel really good because all this other temptation is just there. And we've only got the one thing. One thing is what the flesh uses to destroy us and to cause us to step out of Jesus and to step back under condemnation. Don't feel holy. Don't feel self-righteous because you've only got one thing, because it's the one thing that causes us all to need Jesus. And what Paul's saying to us here, he says, by sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh, as a sin sacrifice, he condemned sin in the flesh. What that means is he looked at that one thing in your life. Now, I, and I, I want you all to do this for me, okay? Just take a moment because you all know. I'm not going to ask you to tell anybody, but you all know what that one thing is. You know if it's lust. You know if it's greed. You know if it's money. You know if it's a temper. You know if it's jealousy. You, 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 you know. We all know. Paul says, Paul says, God has condemned that one thing in your life. He's condemned that sin. It doesn't have to have control of your life. He says it's been condemned in the flesh. What, what, what does that mean? It, it, means, it, it means two things. And so here's the, here's the state piece of this, okay? Two, two words for you, justification and sanctification. What it means is this. God has looked at you, Christian, He's realized you're broken and you're not perfect and you're not, you still, you still got that one thing and okay, two or three, we all do. But he sees your heart and he knows that your heart is, I want to serve God. And for that reason, in those moments where anybody, you, you guys ever have a moment of stupid? You understand what I'm saying? My heart wants God, but I have a moment of stupid. I have a moment of weakness. I have a moment of, Paul puts it this way in Romans, uh, I believe it's 6 and 7. He says, that which I want to do, I find myself not doing. And that which I don't want to do, Paul says, I find myself doing that very thing. That's a moment of stupid. I get that. I, I think everybody can understand that. And he's, he's saying that in those moments where that happens, I have 
John, 1 John puts it this way. He says, it, he, he, he says, he would that we don't sin, but if we do sin, we have, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous, who is the propitiation for our sins. He, he puts it this way, he's, which is to say he's the one who's appeased our sin. And in those moments where I have a moment of stupid, I'm so thankful that I don't have to feel like I'm under condemnation again and I've stepped out of my relationship with Jesus. What I need to do is be broken and go to Jesus and say, forgive me for my sin. And I'll never do this again, Lord. And I've got grace to cover me. You guys ever play the game of what if? What if Jesus comes and I just a moment before Jesus come, I let a bad word go out of my mouth? Heaven or hell? What if just before Jesus comes, I have a, a, a moment, a jealous thought, just before Jesus comes and before I have time to repent of it, the rapture takes place? Heaven or hell? You ever play that game? Maybe I'm weird, I don't know, but I did. I'm so thankful for grace. I'm so thankful for grace. I'm so thankful that there is therefore now no condemnation that are in Christ Jesus, justified before God because Jesus paid the price. However, the other piece of that and the other side of that is right there in that verse. He says, by sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for as a sin offering, he condemned sin in the flesh in order that the righteous requirements of the law might be fulfilled in us, might be fulfilled in us. Here's what I would say to you this morning. Don't play games with God. There is a difference between being the one who does everything in his power, in his heart is, God, I want to serve you, and Lord, I want to obey you, and, and having a moment of what I call stupid and having a moment of weakness and a moment of failure that I repent of. There's a difference between that and being the person that says, God, I got all that stuff out of my way, but this one thing, Lord, I really kind of like it, and I know there's no, therefore no condemnation, so I'm going to be really okay with that being in my life because I'm going to believe that you said there's no condemnation so I can keep that sin in my life, and I can be happy with that sin in my life, and I can celebrate that sin in my life, and I can live that sin out in my life, and I'm not going to worry about the consequences because that's a whole different thing. Because all of a sudden, my heart is not in Jesus. My heart is in me and what I want, and that's a whole different thing. And, and Paul says, and it's, it's put forth throughout the New Testament, 1 John talks about it as well, that, that if I choose to live my life intentionally, intentionally living in sin, then I'm not in Christ Jesus. Don't play games with God. Do you understand what I'm saying? Thank God for his grace. Thank God for his mercy. Thank God for his patience. Thank God that I can be in Christ Jesus even though I'm not perfect. But don't play games with God. He knows the condition of your heart. He says, and Paul explains it this way, he says, walk in the Spirit. He says that the righteous requirements of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk not according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh, but those who live according to the spirit set their minds on the things of the spirit. For to set the mind on the flesh is death, but to set the mind on the spirit is life and peace. For the mind that is set on the flesh is hostile to God, for it does not submit to God's law. Indeed, it cannot. I, I believe this, and I can support it biblically. God's plan for your life and my life is this, that we, we live 
moment by moment, consciously aware of the presence of God. You understand what I'm saying? Come here, Ruthie. You'll have to come up here because everybody on camera has got to see you. You're going, I'm in trouble. I am in trouble. Turn around and look at them. Say, hi, everybody. If my wife is in my house, I, I did this first service and she wasn't on camera and she was okay with it. My wife is in my house. She's in the upstairs room. She's in the back side, the, the end of the house in the bathroom. And I'm downstairs somewhere in the living room and I don't know she's there. I'm not going to be, con I mean, I'm not going to know. I'm not going to be consciously aware of her presence, right? And she's far enough away. I'm just not going to be consciously aware. Look at that, honey. You're getting hearts thrown up. They don't throw me up hearts very often. You're cuter than I am. But if my wife's in the same room with me, and even if my back happens to be to her and she's this close, it ain't going to take me very long, and I'm going to be consciously aware that she's there. And that's supposed to have God. Thank you. Do you understand what I'm saying? It is God's will for your life that you live your life moment by moment, day by day, hour by hour, consciously aware of the presence of you understand the key to that? That was the, the, the illustration there. The way you live consciously aware of the presence of God is you don't live here and God lives here. You live here and God lives here. You keep him close. You keep him. You understand what I'm saying? You keep him close. That's why Paul in Galatians 6, and, and I'd encourage you to go read it. He says this, walk in the spirit and you won't fulfill the lust of the flesh. You know why that is? Be, those of you that have been around a while, those of you that have been in church for a while, those of you that remember the days of altar calls, and those of you remember the days of Sunday nights where you really tarried at the altar, and you, you, you don't even know what that word tarry means anymore, where you waited at the altar, you, those of you that remember the, 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 the moments where the presence of God came down so strongly that you, you just overwhelmed, had an overwhelming sense of being in the manifest, the, the physical presence of God, you know that in those moments, Satan didn't show up to tempt you. The flesh didn't rise up to tempt you. Now, Satan, he's dumb, but he's not stupid. And by that, I mean he, he may, he's dumb in that he thinks that he's going to beat Jesus one day, beat God one of these days. He's dumb in that way, but he's not stupid in that he's not going to show up in your life in the moment where you're walking and living close to the presence of God, the manifest presence of God. When he's going to show up is two weeks later or three weeks later or two months later or three weeks later or three months later. When you've let that presence go from here to here, and all of a sudden, that flesh man can rise up and pull you away. Walk in the Spirit. You won't fulfill the lust of the flesh. I'm going to end with this. A lot of years ago, when the church made the division between Catholicism and Protestantism, so we're talking a long time ago, Protestants because at that point had the feeling that everything Catholic was bad and we got to do everything our own way and new. We, so, we sometimes threw out some good stuff with the stuff that we disagreed with. And one of those things was a, a thing called um, daily office, which is making a resurgence in Protestant churches, many of them. Uh, have you ever heard of daily office? Do you, do you understand what I'm talking about, anybody? If you've ever read any um, books or teaching on on spiritual formation, you probably ran across this. Basically, the daily office is this idea that throughout the day, in the morning, I start my day focusing on the Lord, and it may be uh, I get up and I pray, or I get up and I read my Bible, I get up and I meditate on the presence of God, whatever, and, and many of us do that. 
But daily office goes further than that. I make a decision that throughout the day, I'm going to take a moment out of my day, and I'm going to stop, and I'm going to refocus my mind and my heart upon the Lord. So uh, you got, most of all, you guys work outside of, you know, you work, you work in, the, in the world out there. So you get the idea of smoke breaks. How many are familiar with smoke breaks? You know, 10 o'clock, you get a smoke break, right? You, you get those smoke cigarettes. Um, in the afternoon, at least the places I work, that's the, the way it always worked. I told my boss one time, I said, look, man, I've never, t- I've not taken smoke break because I don't smoke. And I figure this has been like 10 years of me not taking my smoke breaks. Um, so you owe me and I want to take them all at one time one of these days. Can I just have the year off? Because I figure it's all accumulated that far. And he didn't see the humor in that, but I, I thought it was kind of funny. The daily office says this, that at 10 o'clock in the morning, I'm going to take a moment, I'm going to shut my door, and I'm just going to, maybe I'm going to read a scripture, or maybe I'm going to say a prayer, maybe I'm going to recite the Lord's Prayer, but I'm going to take a moment in the middle of my morning, and I'm going to refocus my heart and my mind on the presence of God, and then at noon, I'm going to do the same thing again. I'm going to eat my bologna sandwich, or my peanut butter and jelly sandwich, or my steak from the night before, or whatever, and then I'm going to stop, and I'm going to have a moment with God. I'm going to do the same thing in the afternoon. I'm going to do the same thing at the end of the day. And throughout the day, I'm going to take a moment. It doesn't have to be hours. It doesn't have to be long periods of time. But I'm going to put together this daily office. And daily, I'm going to make this my, my discipline that daily, on a regular basis, I'm going to stop and I'm going to focus in on God so that I can live my life consciously aware throughout the day of the manifest presence of God. Do you know what would happen to our lives if we would do that and we would actually make that a discipline and make that a practice? All of a sudden, that flesh man, that, 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 that thing inside of us that wants to rise up and, and go against what we really want to do in our heart would begin to get weaker and weaker and weaker and die. And all of a sudden, our relationship with God, which sometimes is out here and at good times it's in here, all of a sudden, our relationship with God, you all, you all watch this, okay? You need to see this. All of a sudden, my relationship with God that's kind of been living right here because now I'm beginning to experience his presence throughout the day and his spirit throughout the day, it goes from being here to being like this. Comes one, intertwined. You understand what I'm saying? It's a level of intimacy with God that God wants. And all of a sudden, I begin to live moment by moment consciously aware of the presence of God and those things in the flesh that pull me away and try to pull me out of being in Jesus no longer have any power over me or at least less and less and less power. And I begin to, as I grow in the Lord and grow in my relationship, and I'm a Christian longer and longer, it it becomes harder and harder for the enemy to pull me out of this in Jesus circle because because I'm gone from here with Jesus to here with Jesus to here with Jesus. I'll end with this story. My wife and I went to Japan a few years ago. We stayed with um, her nephew who was in the Navy at the time, and they, they lived in a, an apartment on base, and they had three kids at the time, and, um, and then him and his wife, and we stayed in the apartment, and one of the boys was kind enough to give us his bedroom for the week that we were there, and they told us when we came in, said, if this doesn't work, we'll get a mattress or something for you. We don't know if you guys can sleep in this room because it's got a single bed, and you're both going to be in the single bed. You guys ever sleep in a single bed since you were nine? They're, they're, little, they're like little bitty. I mean, my feet hung over the end of the bed. Now, Ruthie was fine. Her feet didn't, she had, you know, she had lots of room. But so her and I slept in the same bed, that single bed for the entire week. And we, we told them when we got there, said, it, it'll be fine. It won't be a problem because I like her. And generally, she likes me. And so sleeping intertwined, sleeping close together, sleeping in that, in that, that closeness of intimacy was not a problem for us. We, we did we slept well, didn't we, for the whole the whole week. 
And that's what God wants for you and for you. He wants you to live your life, your moments with him like this. And if you will do that, if you will grow that closeness, grow that relationship, you will stay in Jesus and you will live your life with that promise. There is therefore now no condemnation to those that are in Christ Jesus. You'll live it today. You'll live it tomorrow. You'll live it next week. You'll live it next year. You'll live it throughout your life. Why don't you stand with me this morning? And I'm going to end with this question for you, this question to you. How's your relationship with the Lord? I'm going to let you out of here in like two minutes. How's your relationship with the Lord? Is it here? Is it here? Or is it here? If it's here, I'm not telling you you're not saved and you're not going to heaven. I'm just telling you you're living so far under what God wants for you. If it's here, then thank goodness you're growing and you're getting closer. But I'm telling you, this is what God wants in your relationship with him. Moment by moment, consciously aware of the presence of God. And I'll, and I'll, I'll be honest with you all. Listen, I've been a pastor for a lot of years and Christian, a Christian for more years than that. And I don't know that I've ever lived through a 24-hour period where I was consciously aware of the presence of God all 24 hours. That's my goal. I'd love to have that experience. I don't know that I've ever been there. This is where I want to live. And I'm asking you this morning, where's your relationship with God? Try that daily office if it's not here. See if God won't do something incredible in your life over the course of the next days, weeks, and months. And here's what I'm going to ask you to do this morning. I want to pray over you if you'll allow me to. Um, if you bow your heads for just a moment as we get ready to leave this place. And those of you that are on, on the feed, please feel free to join in this as well. If you're here and you say, Pastor Barry, my life is just not quite in that intimate place you're describing to me. And I want it to be. And I would appreciate it if you would pray over me right where I'm standing. I'm not going to call anybody out. But if you're here and you, and, and you, just, you want more of the Lord, you want to be closer, you want to have that moment-by-moment experience with the Lord, I'm just going to ask you to put your hand up and hold it there for a moment. And I'm going to pray over you right where you're at. A number of hands going up. Thank you for that. And online as well. Let me pray over you, okay? Lord, I, I, I do right now. We take a moment. We pray over those that are part of this family. Pray over those that are here in the service and those that are online and part of the service there. God, touch them. I pray that you pull them into a closer, deeper walk with you than they've ever known. Pray, God, you pull them into that close intimacy with you. I pray that you stir in them, Lord, the, the, the discipline, the, the, the desire to live moment by moment in your presence. Help them to grow and develop in that discipline of the daily office. And, Lord, to look for you throughout the moments, the hours, and the days. Lord, I ask you to continue to grow them, grow that spiritual man that's in them, and Lord, I just pray, kill that flesh, man, that we all struggle with. In Jesus' name, amen. Love you guys. Appreciate you, man. Have a great week, and uh, I will see you soon. You guys online, same thing. Have a great week. Thank you so much for being a part of service today. Thank you for listening to this week's podcast. If you're looking for a church home or are interested in what God is doing through Souls Harbor, visit us at www.soulsharborag.com. If you have an encouraging story of what God has done in your life through these podcasts, please share it with us at sharbor at indy.rr.com.